Hello, and welcome to the Innovate IPM podcast, where we are passionate about the future of the industrial projects professions, presenting you the best of project management, people, and practices, combining the wisdom of time-tested methods with the cutting-edge technologies and advancements that are modernizing our craft. Our mission is to contribute to the growth and progress of the industrial project management community. It's time to talk scope, schedule, and budget. Let's start the show. Welcome to the big launch episode of Innovate Industrial Project Management, Innovate IPM podcast. This is a big episode. Uh, For one, this is the launch the official launch of Innovate IPM podcast. The reason it's the official launch is because you needed three episodes to end up on iTunes. So I waited till then to start pushing it out to the public. That means there's two more episodes that you probably haven't heard yet. So be sure and give them a listen as well. I'm also excited because this is our first interview that we've done on Innovate IPM. Huge thanks to Cesar Ramos, for leaping out in faith and joining me for a powerful discussion. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to learn how to get into touch with Caesar. And you're going to want to get in touch with Caesar if you are in projects in the heavy industries. He has a wealth of knowledge and he's got a lot of value that he can add to your projects and your organization. Before we get into that, I want to talk about why. Why do I do this? Why am I recording a podcast? Why am I beginning this thing that's called Innovate IPM? I'm doing it because I care very deeply about my industry. I love it. I love big projects. I love seeing the cash flow. I love seeing orchestrating large numbers of people to accomplish huge goals, particularly. I love the trailblazers in this industry. Let's be honest. It's an antiquated industry. Most people, generally speaking, I know there's a lot of people out there. They're the trailblazers. But most people in this industry, um, they're a little behind on times. And if we look at other industries, we can see this, right? We can see that we're not as technologically advanced as other sectors. We can see that we have some um, some improvements that can be made in project management processes, methodologies, tools, philosophies. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are progressing this uh, this this profession or discipline, if you will, to the next level. I'm passionate about those people. I want to hear more people talking about those people. Right now, um, there's some who are talking about them. Really, there's not many talking about them at all. Um, they're, they're the ones who are actually doing those things. They are the trailblazers. So they're busy blazing trails and not talking. So I will take the opportunity and I'll talk about them. Get them on the show. Get to know them and see if their insight can provide value to the greater heavy industrial projects community. There's also massive amounts of opportunity. One of the things that we discuss in the podcast today, Caesar and I, is the knowledge and experience gap uh, being created by the circumstances between generations in our industry. That's building lots of opportunity for the young professionals who are just getting into the business and lots of opportunities for the senior level folks who, uh, who've been doing this for a long time and have a lot of knowledge and experience to share with those younger folks. So we need more people talking about this stuff. And that's my goal here is to get it out there and provide value to our greater project management community. Check out the show notes. In there, you're going to find links to useful information that we discussed in this episode. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and great rating at innovateipm.com. 
IPM is Industrial Project Management. There you can subscribe, subscribe to our mailing list. And this is also where you can get a hold of me, your host, Rob Williams. And, uh, and if you want to speak, are you doing cool things in project management in the heavy industries? Uh, uh, do you want to be a guest on the show? This is how you get a hold of me. You know somebody who matches that description, thinks they'd be a good guest on the show? That's how you get a hold of me. So reach out to me again at www.innovateipm.com. Today on the show, we talked to Cesar Ramos. We're going to talk about how he went from a West Texas oil hand to a West Houston consultant. He has been in the business for more than 20 years. He's the owner of Advanced Project Analytics and is an Oracle Gold Partner P6 trainer. There's not a lot of those. There's only a handful of those in Houston, maybe less than a handful. Uh, he has a true entrepreneurial spirit, as you're going to find out in our conversation. This guy has really worked himself up from the, from the bottom, bootstrapped his all, all the way to a successful consulting gig, and is taking care of some significant clients using his expertise and processes. Um, we're going to talk about training. We're going to talk about data. We're going to talk about dashboarding and presenting data. We're going to talk about the future of project controls. And we're going to talk about the 2019 Houston Gulf Coast Section AACE Project Controls Symposium. And uh, just a quick word about that. Both Caesar and I are on the committee for the symposium. It's taking place in November in Houston at the Central uh, University of Houston campus the Hilton. And if you, uh, again, we're looking for speakers. We got about 50% of the speakers filled right now, which means we need that many more. So reach out to either one of us or both of us. And, uh, and we'd love to have you on. We're looking for technical presenters, keynote speakers. We're looking for contractor panelists and we're looking for owner panelists. All right. So take advantage of that and, uh, and reach out to me. And with all that, um, let's move on to the show. Enjoy. Cesar Ramos, Advanced Planning Analytics. Uh, tell us about yourself. What do you do? I'm currently a consultant in project controls. So I do predominantly uh, support work for planning, scheduling, earn value, but I do have a cost and estimating background. Um, although most of my clients, I only support them in the planning, scheduling, and earn value capacity. Um, I'm also an Oracle Gold partner, and uh, I'm one of the three in Houston that is uh, certified with Oracle to teach uh, P6 and risk. So I do that as well. And I also have clients. So one of my major clients is like Dow and, and others. So I, I kind of am housed in their facility, helping them uh, develop some of their tools and, and upgrades. Okay. So scheduler chiefly, trainer um, in the Houston area, right? Yeah. Yeah. And where's your training facility exactly? It's off of uh, Westheimer and uh, in between Derry Ashford and uh, I think Wilcrest Will or one of these side streets. So it's in the energy corridor. Okay. Energy corridor, West Chase type area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, what's your background? How did you get to, uh, how did you get to doing what you're doing now? And just to be clear, you're, you're, you're a business owner. You're an entrepreneur in this business uh, and, and you're, you're, you're hustling every day to uh, to make business happen and keep to keep the money rolling in. So I'm kind of interested in that. I want to touch on that a little bit as we keep talking. Uh, but how did you get to where you are right now? Um, going all the way back, being from West Texas, the natural thing to do was get into the oil fields. So I did work the oil fields uh, early on, and then I migrated into construction. Uh, back in 93, 90, yeah, 93, and in construction, kind of made my way into the 
the Houston area, 94, working refineries and chem chemical plants, just doing construction and things like that. And uh, somewhere in 96 is when I uh, got involved with turnaround planning and project controls. And from that point forward, I just kind of dabbled in between cost estimating and planning um, moving forward. So fast forward a few more years, I, I ended up in places like uh, Lyondale and, and uh, Exxon and other places helping them plan outage and capital work. Um, and then 2007, I ended up in the EPC world and the engineering side. Um, and from that, from that point, I just uh, stayed within the engineering side, the front end of the business. Mm -hmm. Along the way, uh, tools we use, P3, and the upgrades came along, P6. And uh, so the use of the software has always been there. Uh, but my interest grew probably in 2008. I really started to pursue what they call uh, industry best practices. I was after some answers, uh, and that drove me to find a lot of uh, information that uh, the more I searched, the more I discovered uh, references to how, you know, planning and scheduling originated and, and the origins of things and what they actually have true best practices. Yeah, I find it really interesting to go back and uh, listen to some of the histories of, of all types of project management topics and, and the way that the U.S. military had implemented things and the formation of the Gantt chart and all of that stuff. That's pretty good. In 2007, you went over to the EPC side, which was a, uh, a really great time to do that because construction was falling apart uh, right in that time period. That's, that's actually the same time I left construction too uh and not even by choice uh it, the the work had literally dried up around houston to the point that uh they had me out on a job site at valero and i was making uh 36 an hour as a scheduler a junior level scheduler and i was picking up nails with the civil hands because they didn't want to let me they didn't want to lose all their their project people that's how bad construction was right at that point and then i also went over to work for a uh for the first time in my career, a small uh, engineering firm that had me housed out at a, a different facility in Sugarland. But mm -hmm. yeah, so did you? Were you escaping construction because of that, or did it just so happen to end up that way? I wasn't escaping construction. It just kind of happened. Um, yeah, you know, some people I knew contacted me, and they had made a move, and they were calling me up, see if I was willing to join them along the way. And I said, sure, why not? Yeah. Um, that set off the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good to have friends, huh? <laughs> what, yeah. uh, what, what kind of, what was the construction like back in, uh, in West Texas? Where in West Texas are you from? Um, originally born in Marfa, Texas. Marfa, yeah. man, that is really West Texas. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good stuff to see out there. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I moved probably when I was 12, teenager, 12, 13, I, we went to Odessa. So I was, okay. That's, okay. Where, that's where I was. So you're doing like oil field work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that place is booming over there right now. It is. It's, it's fluctuated the past, uh, it started to pick up in the past year, but prior to that it dropped. So all that fracking business stopped due what to the fluctuation of oil. Yeah. And that put a lot of people out of work. Yeah. It goes up and down really rapidly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people would say it's volatile, I guess. I would, right I would probably say that, but others yeah. may, may disagree. Right. They may. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a negative term. I don't know, you know. Um, oh, well, cool. But after all that, you, uh, you kind of landed on scheduling as your, your primary focus. Um, why did why was it scheduling and not say cost estimating or any of the other things that you had had uh, experienced in your career? Well, the uh, earned value has been the platform I've I've worked on since the beginning, and uh, 
you know, I worked with some databases and access databases. And so I've always been involved with earned value, every company I've ever been in. So that's just been my strong point of propping up project controls development and work. Uh, scheduling just happened to be, you know, something I just stuck with because it's, you get exposed to pretty much all the disciplines and phases and you get to see the bigger picture of things. So I, I tended to migrate towards uh, scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, but along the way has always been earned value. And that's, gotcha. that's kind of where, you know, you could almost say I specialize in earned value. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and it makes sense with your, your entrepreneurial drive. You, if you're a big picture thinker, you've got to be that way to be an entrepreneur. So falling into scheduling, it falls right in line with that, uh, that kind of spirit for sure. So earn value management, uh, it, it seems to me in my career, that's, that's something that people get wrong a lot. Um, do you, do you run into the same situation and, and what's that like for you? That's, that's probably an accurate statement. Um, not only is it something they get wrong, um, but for some reason they it's misunderstood. It, it's yeah, it's not only misunderstood, but um, I think companies over the years have elected to pick only certain aspects of earned value, such as productivity index, right, CPI, mm-hmm. and they use that as their only platform of controlling the work, but they're missing all the other components. Even though they may be re- reporting it, collecting it, calculating it, they don't realize they have all the raw information to, to provide a full, re- robust, earned value report reporting. Um, so I've seen that a lot. And with major companies, with EPCs, it seems to be the most common issue is it just seems like everybody looks at productivity and... And that's half the story when it comes to earned value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the other half? Uh, schedule performance index. And yeah. between uh, your, your CPI and your SPI is your recovery index. Right? My lights thinks I'm going oh. to sleep. <laughs> uh, no movement. So the, between the two is your recovery index and all that is used to calculate also your, your, uh, your ability to recover and your forecast using EAC. Mm-hmm. So there's all these equations involved. Um, and some of the newer stuff that, you know, in 2003, I think Walter Lipke came up with um, Earned Schedule, which was a solution for the, the SPI problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we face at the end of a project, even though the project had been possibly delayed months. Uh, so, so all these come, come into play where, you know, I've seen a lot of companies, they just focus on, you know, productivity factor. Production they, got factor. One, they got one single metric that they're, they're just drilling in on. And, and there's a, there's a lot of other stuff that, that, you know, we, we, we look at um, in, in my side and I'm an estimator. Uh, that's what I spend most of my time doing. Uh, we don't look at earn value on my end because I work in the feed stages of, uh, of, uh, of the project. So always on the front end, uh, never on the construction side, but what we're trying to do, we're trying to benchmark, uh, based on actual. So we kind of go in post postmortem. Right. Uh, we have reports, we have data. Um, the data is hardly ever in the kind of condition that we needed to be in to, to really evaluate how many, you know, man hours per foot of pipe or cubic yard of concrete or what the materials are per units. Um, so I can imagine if, if, if that's how we get the information uh, and we, we actually uh, where I'm at now, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to mention where I'm at on the podcast because that'll get me into all kinds of having to sign legal waivers and whatnot. But, where I'm at now, we actually have access to uh, all of the daily reporting coming from the contractors, which is fantastic, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's data that uh, guys like us just kind of drool over, mm-hmm. but getting it and cleaning it and, and structuring it and making it something usable is a massive challenge. 
we, we have a lot of work to do there. Is this, is this, is this just us or is this stuff that uh, you're seeing elsewhere as well? No, that's a, that's a common problem, especially like for estimating, for example, you know, how do you differentiate the data you get as it, it isn't inundated with uh, anomalies, right? So you mm -hmm. estimated it as a best case scenario, you know, so many linear feet, 2.5 man hours per linear foot or something. And then the data you get back, you know, didn't include for certain delays or, you know, poor productivity or all these things that's feeding your, your benchmarking uh, could inherit a lot of undocumented or unvalidated uh, results. Mm -hmm. So you kind of bring it in just because it says this is what it took us to get it done. Mm -hmm. But beneath that is a lot of probably trends and uh, labor statistics that that had used properly separated it from the field. Uh, you'd get some real clean uh, comparable uh, data points. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the struggle is, is, you know, how do you separate that to bring it back for proper benchmarking? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's going to make a really good business opportunities for, for guys who know how to do that. Uh, especially now when, when you see that, uh, I mean, I've worked for clients in the past who, who had nothing but bankers boxes full of timesheets that were written in the field, had no electronic copies of anything at all. And then, and then wanted to figure out where $25 million went on a project. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a, that's a, that's an extreme situation, but it's, it's not that much better. The electronic data is not all that much better in the places that I've been. And, uh, yeah, I but it's the right person. It's, it starts from the field and, you know, you have the human element, whereas if you have, if you're tracking your expended hours over, uh, 30 lines, 30 spools, you know, what's to say that that supervisor doesn't just pencil whip the timesheet, right? I've got, I've got 10 hours. I'll just divide it all by 10 items and, and then do your math. Yep. So, they, so then now at that point, you don't even collect accurate data. You're just, you know, it's just human nature. They'll divide it by 10 and they're an hour per line. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Or the day that they didn't get much done because of this, that, or the other, and, and they have to take a, take advantage of some, some easy, easy wins uh, on their ISOs or whatever, or, the day they're sandbagging because they know yeah. those other days are coming up. Yeah. <laughs> the old sandbagging. <laughs> I was a piping foreman for a couple of years though. I know, I know the tricks. Yeah. Awesome, man. So, you know, along that same line, I mean, data is, data is one of these things that, that everybody's talking about right now, digitalization. Um, they're talking about, you know, how to aggregate all this stuff and, and make it usable. Like I said, the, the place that, that I'm at now, we, we actually have an opportunity. Uh, I don't think anybody really understands it yet, um, except, for, except for a handful of us to take that live data that we get on a daily basis and, and, and really put data to its optimal use. Um, you know, but, but that stuff, you know, this kind of, this is, uh, it's kind of like the future is now, right? But we're right at that cusp where we haven't crossed over the line yet, you know. But even even before that, um, there's all of these common project management, project controls, um, basic methods, practices, technologies that that I feel like most people um, that I've come across don't don't understand that well, um, and and people at all stages of their career, not just not just new guys and not just, you know, older guys who don't know how to use technology, but, but across the, across the entire spectrum, what, what do you see? What do you think the most common misunderstandings, uh, especially from the owner, what do you think the most common misunderstandings are in project controls and how do you deal with those? Um, in project controls, just generally speaking, you can speak to scheduling specifically if you like. Or earn value either way. I mean, uh, the same as earned value. You know, we talk about scheduling. Uh, there seems to be a knowledge gap is what I call it. Um, I wrote an article on LinkedIn. Feel free to check it out. But okay. I basically 
called it, uh, project controls is changing, and it's changing for reasons that the the older uh, experience is at an age where they're retiring or leaving the industry, and and in some cases forcibly by reduction of work, such as the downturns, and they're sure. not coming back, right? And sure. companies are bringing in younger talent, you know, al although highly educated. Uh, but have no experience in project controls. And the software is getting easier to use, right? So that happened in 2008, P6 rolled out. It was a lot more uh, easier than P3. Mm -hmm. A lot of users jumped in and said, they, we, we figured this out, we know how to use this. But what they're missing is the fundamental knowledge, right? Of, you know, what how schedules means. are built, how they're built, how they're, how they're intended to represent and that's what i see is that knowledge gap um so the problem i i probably point out is is understanding you know scheduling practices right you know when we're talking about levels of schedules i ask 10 people in a room what their definition of level three is and i'll get 10 different answers right yeah. um and then i'll ask them you know what do you think the schedule should look like i'll get 10 different answers so it's like they all have their own perception, opinion, but none of it is, most of it is not predicated upon real either experience or references to this industry best practices like I pursued for all these years. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just kind of like they're, this is what they think or this is what they did at the other job. Yep. And uh, and that's just kind of how this, this information is getting passed down. Um, and that's the gap, right? So I spent, Probably since I started my company, uh, you know, the last few years, kind of preaching. So that's probably why I was motivated to start the business was to preach and say, guys, stop what we're doing. Go out and if you're in this field, understand this, right? So, you, you know, I'm, I'm a board member for AACE. Uh, you know, these are these are these are avenues by which to network and then spread a message to say, guys, this is how we do business. This is how it's worked. This is how CPM was built. This is how EVM works. You know, here's all the reference data. So I spend a lot of my time just passing on information, um, pushing information, pushing the fundamentals. You know, trying to get to a platform where it's kind of spreading this the knowledge. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. So what do you think this gap is going to look like in, say, five years? What's going to get worse? Um, and if for the reasons you pointed out just a while ago, the big data, data analytics, is so fast approaching that uh, management is so accepting of disinformation in a, in a very expedited, real-time fashion that we're bypassing certain concepts uh there we're you know i'm the i'm the guy that's probably going to go along with the big data and try and be on the innovative edge the cutting edge of things but i'm trying to be the responsible person to say okay where do we, let's put some rules behind how we get the data where we're we getting it from terminologies you know you can't just call it a forecast now and uh and and then toss it into these dashboards because you know forecast contingency you know all these terminologies have true true functions and, and references um and i see that's what i see a lot is very loose loose uh terms that they'll toss out there and and the charts look nice and all that but when you dig into the content where the source of the content came from it's uncontrolled yeah uncontrolled that's that's the scary part is 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 that it's going back to the supervisor in the field and the way he processes the rawest form of the data, right? Mm -hmm. And then it trickles its way up. Right. But that's, that's upon us, uh, whether we like it or not. And it, it's, it's so, it's, it's, it's evolving so quickly now that either a, you get on that, the, that dashboarding, uh, concept or, uh, and then try and influence some some type of science into that um you know otherwise in five years you know we may be doing something different 
Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, have you have you dealt what, what experience do you have right now with with dashboards and the newest technology that's coming out? So we do we do some dashboarding um, with I, I we actually we worked with platforms like six years ago. So that's back when it was more unpopular or unnoticed and it was a little more rigid. Uh, so we work with different softwares, dashboarding softwares. Um, and, and, and at that time it was, it seemed very natural, you know, we had a very controlled environment, but it seems like these last probably four years, I guess, um, it just really exploded, you know, and now like, you know, they're, they're bringing in, you know, individuals to run the dashboards, but they have no experience in project controls, right? So you're, right. we're beginning to lose grasp of how this is getting communicated to management, how things are getting communicated to management. Sure. Right. And the interpretation of that data. What have you seen so far in terms of technology that you're really excited about? Something that you like? Any platform specifically or... <laughs> Um, the, the, the idea of, um, virtual reality, VR, um, that's extremely useful, extremely helpful. And the software is getting better and easier and more available. Um, that's pretty cool stuff out there, I guess. Um, there, there's, um, there's the dashboarding is good. If, if, as long as it's in a controlled way or, an explainable way. Um, the functionality is really, really good. Um, I just think that how project controls behaves is going to change in the next five years. It's, it's sure. Gonna, the expectation is going to be more, more real time. Like, you know, we want collect the data, what happened, you know, reactionary quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything right now? Uh, in the current trends that you might consider a fad, anything that's not going to last? Um, you know, no, I, I think, I think everything has a, its purpose. Um, some things might've launched a bit early and then later on they're, they're coming back like this dashboarding, you know, six years ago, we, we couldn't get anybody to take a look at our stuff. Now it's the opposite. Well, it's a good thing you started um, six years ago, so now you don't have to start from scratch. Well, I mean, you, you, you kind of put things on, you know, when management is interested in that, then you kind of put that on the shelf and you work on other things. So it's it hasn't been a full, you know, let's continue to develop this type mm -hmm. of concept. It's been, you know, fit for purpose. Yeah. I'd uh, gone to the Optimize Conference about a month ago. There was a professor from Columbia University on a panel with some folks from Hexagon, Emerson, ExxonMobil. And he made this comment that uh, I've been in AI for 40 years. My job has only just became relevant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, and, and Somebody has to plant the seed, right? Yeah, and I, and I, I think I've read some articles where there are... Uh, um, there are organizations that have been looking at this for like the last 14, 15 years, uh, very forward thinking. What is, what's it going to be like? What are we, what are we to expect? Um, I think that's, they, they've been, they've invested a lot of years looking into this. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. So let's talk about, uh, a little bit about the entrepreneurial aspects of what you do. I think it can be a scary thing. Um, entrepreneurship is a scary thing no matter what, but especially in a business to business type environment where you're working with these huge companies like Dow, DuPont, Exxon, it can seem unattainable for many people. What's your driver here? What, what motivates you to push into that realm? Well, you know, responsibility is what drove me into it. it. It was it was the need to have a voice for the industry, and that's that's kind of what I mentioned earlier was 
that's kind of the reasoning I ended up doing that. But if I, if I go back a few years, right around the 2008 timeframe, you know, I kept hearing best in class, mm -hmm. best practices, you know, these terms, they were like fascinating to me. I was like, wow, I want to be best in class. How do I become best in class? So I started asking my management and others is to point me in the right direction so that I can achieve that. And, you know, how do I get there? Right. And interestingly enough, I wasn't getting clear answers. So, you know, I was getting answers such as, well, so-and-so company is, is best in class. Okay. Well, I got some buddies over there. Let me call them up and see what they do and you know call them up and they it turns out they do the same thing i do so i was like okay how why are you best in class then if we're doing the same thing you know what sets you apart and and then the term best practices that's such a played out word uh that i ask everybody that uses that word to say okay point me point me what that is and so i went on the search back then to find this information and it's it's here i am roughly 11 years later, and I've discovered a lot of documents, a lot of origins, a lot of root, root documents that reference documents where it all originated from why we do things. So you could argue, yeah, that's, that's the true best practices. Now do companies use those? No. Uh, are, are they aware of some of these references? Likely not, you know, for the same reason of the, the attrition of change and, and knowledge gap that I, I mentioned so the, mm -hmm. the intelligence is leaving and, and the people that inherit that um, probably don't go back and they have no need to go back. If they have company protocols, they have no need to reference any industry uh, standards. So that's kind of the, uh, the responsibilities what pushed me into the entrepreneurialism. Uh, you know, and I just always had a knack for trying to teach and I tried to, you know, establish something as a, a training type of entity where I could train people and provide training. So it's, it was really about sharing knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly why I started this podcast to get people like you on who can share that knowledge and then hopefully people in the industry listening will be able to improve their careers or businesses because I think a lot of people are looking for the same things you were. They're looking to be world-class. They're looking for those best practices and it's hard to find. I once worked at my first PM job, a job I had no business doing, by the way, a job I tried to turn down. Thankfully they didn't listen to me. But I got thrown into some very uncomfortable situations, and it was 2008, so the economy was taking a nosedive, and all the capital got locked up, capital. So I spent all my time building all kinds of spreadsheets I was never going to use, but I had to look busy <laughs> and stay employed. Nice. My boss came by. Uh, I was seconded there through an engineering firm, and he was a former employee of the owner company. Anyway, he asked uh, what I've been up to, and I said, uh, I've mostly been sitting around here making up spreadsheets all day. When I showed him that I was building all these tools from scratch, uh, he says, oh, you haven't seen this? And went on to the company intranet, where a treasure trove of project management tools were already built and collecting dust. Uh, no one even knew that they were there. And <laughs> I think this is a microcosm example of the entire industry. You have this wealth of knowledge out there, but no one knows how to tap into it. This is crazy to me because in our sector of the heavy industries, we spend the biggest dollars. Small projects are in the millions billions of dollars on mega projects. We've all seen these projects. And even given the weight of these responsibilities, I don't think that many people who are tasked with managing and controlling it, generally speaking, obviously there are people who don't fit this description, uh, but I feel like they don't fully comprehend 
what it is that they're doing, they aren't familiar with those best practices. Well, you know, I've always had an interest in psychology as long as I was young. And so, you know, a lot of that human behavior stuff. So along the way, I've always studied that type of thing, you know, philosophy mm -hmm. and psychology. Nice. And, and we'll you have that conversation later. Yeah. Well, yeah. you mentioned it because what I ended up doing is uh, like in your 2008 example was why, why, you know, this information was there, things were lost, people didn't use it, people didn't know to look for it. Um, I've also written other articles in LinkedIn uh, uh, where I, it stated, you don't, you don't know what you don't know, mm -hmm. right? And, and the less you know, the more you think you know. And they point to some social sciences that exist, like the Dunning-Kruger effect or uh, confidence bias or hindsight yeah. bias. Yeah. And I have a lot of interest in that because I end up in a human element all the time uh, because what perplexed me was, you know, over all these years, it's, it's individuals are had at their disposal information and they elected not to use it, reference it, or read it. And, yep. and it's, to me, that's been a study of mine as to say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you use this? Why didn't you just look at this? And it's either A, they they didn't know it was there, or B, uh, they migrate towards, uh, it's it's in our DNA, I guess, we migrate towards uh, trying to simplify things. So we, we migrate towards, okay, fit for purpose. I just need to know this, right? So I don't need to know all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, you kind of bypass a lot of, you know, things. And... Uh, and this just perpetuates. So it goes on and on and on. And that's where I spend a lot of time is really understanding the human aspect of certain pieces. Right on. And, and I deal with that. And it's because I train every week yep. individuals. Yep. That's kind of readily visible with the students. I think that's powerful insight right there. Yeah, but I've, it, all it is is observation because I, I've collected yeah. none of it. I I don't think I've had any big profound, you know, resolutions to any of that. It's just an understanding. It's an understanding. It, it comes down to an understanding. And with an understanding, you can manage to that understanding. Um, let's switch gears. Let's talk about AACE and your involvement with that. So I've been going to ACE um uh, as a group since 97 okay right? um and uh for those of those out there that don't know what ace is it's it's a uh, is it association for accredited cost engineers um and, so, yeah. <laughs> and i think that's what it is it's changed slightly and they almost changed the name two years ago it's very similar to you know pmi uh but it is a, an organization for you know project controls, anything from risk, you know, planning, scheduling, or value estimating. And, um, and this group is international. Um, uh, we happen to be in the Houston Gulf Coast area. So I am a board member and, uh, and which is you, a very large chapter. It, it is a large chapter the Houston hub. And um, so they, they have uh, monthly meetings where we have, you know, networking events where we talk and invite guests to come present. And, you know, we have all the walks of life from owners, contractors, consultants, clients, and and we all just kind of meet and talk on subjects, you know, such as, you know, interesting subjects. And uh, it's, an, it's an opportunity to network. And uh, so both me and you are the program uh, leaders for this conference that we're having in November, first and second. And, um, that's going to be at the U of H uh, Hilton Hotel, I think. And, and uh, that's a good event where we're going to have two days worth of uh, topics, tracks, speakers, uh, technical speakers, a lot of dialogue. The theme is in cutting edge project controls. So we're forward thinking. Um, so there's going to be a lot of good uh, exchange of knowledge, exchange of information, a good networking event. Um, so of course I encourage everybody to uh, to go out and join or out reach out to us and 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 uh, join the the conference. 
but uh, of course that's separate from the main conference correct the the main conference is actually starting this sunday so the 16th through the 19th in new orleans and uh um, i was i had planned to go early on but that changed plans changed otherwise i'd be either yeah otherwise i would have been there sunday it's Mm -hmm. it's awesome the big international ones are great it's three days worth of tracks good topics white papers discussions case studies just and then and then the exhibitors are really cool they got all the cutting edge stuff so i like to go to the exhibitors and um and do that i've been an exhibitor as well uh, in these conferences very cool do you listen to any other podcasts related to project management or project controls? Uh, not necessarily. Um, not a ton of them out there. No, there's not. I don't think. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm glad you're you're starting a podcast. You know, there probably needs to be more. Um, you know, I've considered a podcast. I just hadn't gotten around to it. I guess I stay busy. But I'll help um, you with that. Yeah, we can yeah, I appreciate that. Cross posts and stuff Absolutely. like that. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, the, you know, you want to get the message out there. You want to spread the knowledge. Uh, a lot of good discussions. It definitely needs to get out, get out there. Do you have any book recommendations for the listeners? You know, all my reading are highly technical. They're either white papers or, you know, like earned value Mm-hmm. written books you know um that so they all gear towards something very specific and where do you find all the white papers is there a source that you like to go to the most um not necessarily other than just like a google search you know, google search just google yeah. search you'll find a lot of content out there but i mean in most of these conferences out of those they they come up with white papers mm-hmm. and then they post them on their you know, their sites, whatever yeah. company presented them, and they share that information. Um, of course, if you're a member of the AACE, they have a huge knowledge base. Absolutely. You get to download all their stuff. So, you know, that's the benefit of being a member. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can download a lot of the recommended practices. Uh, that's pretty good stuff. And then, of course, and then the uh, the white papers as well. Those are excellent. Yeah. Okay. I got one more question for you. I think it's going to be a recurring question to all my guests. What is the best advice you have for aspiring product controls professionals? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> so I saved it for last. You know, it's, it's, um, it, if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, uh, I would have given you a different answer. Uh, maybe something geared towards uh, learning learning the tools of the trade, I guess. Um, but what I, what I know now, I guess, looking back, um, you have to provide value to your employer or your clients or management. And in order to provide value, in my opinion, um, it helps to um, understand, first of all. So there's a personal investment of of understanding, uh, even if it's your company, right? Uh, you come into a new company, pick up their their uh, company uh, standards, protocols, procedures, read them, and understand the company you're working for. Um, so that that carries a lot of weight in in the knowledge and expression of how you how you interact and what value you provide. Uh, and then, of course, the industrial knowledge, which it's is changing so fast just because of how it's kind of like a fit for purpose type of knowledge. I'll just use what I need to know. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I I think that's the key thing is, is providing value, but in a way that's, that's, um, and always search for, uh, you know, I try and do this over all these years when I realized I was pursuing best in class is I try and, sit down pretty regularly and think, you know, what don't, I, what don't I know? You don't know what you don't know, right? And that's allowed me to constantly search for answers and that's allowed me to constantly find answers. So it's kind of like I sit and I try and think, you know, 
what 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 I not know, whatever I looked into, and I'm I'm constantly digging for information. Yes, sir. That's some worthy information right there. Some worthy advice. So we'll wrap up on that note. Would you like to tell the listeners how to get a hold of you? Sure. Um, so I've got a website, advancedplanninganalytics.com. Uh, my email is cesar.ramos at advancedplanninganalytics.com. Uh, there you'll find uh, training information. I give a lot of free stuff, free spreadsheets, uh, videos. You know, I'm trying to do that. Um, I have uh, uh, some analytics tools I'm propping up now uh, to analyze certain schedules. That's going to be free. And then I have a, a an app. It's called a Project Analytics App. And it, it has a little earned value calculator and a time uh, a wheel and certain features that I use. So, you know, I have all this type of information out there. So go to my website. Well, that ends our discussion with Cesar Ramos of Advanced Planning Analytics. What a great role model for the industry. A bottoms up career guy turned bootstrapping entrepreneur who cares about his professional community. All of Caesar's information will be in the show notes, so check them out. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and give us a rating if you liked what you heard. If you really like what you heard, head on over to Innovate IPM's Patreon page and consider supporting this effort financially. We have some incredible guests scheduled over the next few weeks, so tune in. Tune in, or is that old-fashioned, right? Well, you know what to do. Want to keep up with everything Innovate IPM is doing? We are growing fast and we are doing some big things. So if you'll follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or any combination of those, uh, I we post live updates to everything that's happening. Go to www.innovateipm to sign up for the email list and buy some swag. I'm your host, Rob Williams. And I'll see you next time.